Hello, hello. Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of the Max Potential Habits podcast. I'm Dr. Amanda Barrientes, the host of the podcast and the founder of NFA Coaching. If this is your first time here, this is your place to come for weekly tips, tools, and inspirational interviews to help you optimize your habits so you can lead a kick-ass, rich, thriving life in business. Today, we have on an incredible guest who is going to talk to us about many things, among them being a vision whisperer. I can't wait to hear this story. <laughs> Writing five books to promote her business and to help people become better in their lives. She is a success coach and certified knowledge broker. So we have on Dr. Gigi Jasmine who helps women turn their lives and vision, turn their life vision into reality by equipping them to find clarity, confidence, and curiosity. Her latest book is called Becoming a Conqueror, how to keep the past from invading your present and destroying your future. And I'm really excited about this. I actually found Dr. Gigi on LinkedIn. So a lot of you who have been following me for a while know that I connect with people on social media all the time. And I'm always looking for those bios that stand out. And when I read Vision Whisperer, I was like, okay, I gotta know about this. This sounds really, really cool and right up my alley and something that listeners would love to hear and talk about. So welcome on the show today, Dr. Gigi. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. You are so welcome. So tell everyone first where you're from. Well, originally I'm from Haiti. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. And I've been here since 1986. As a matter of fact, I went to New York first. So it was a traumatic experience coming from the tropical weather to uh, snow falling and freezing, shaking. So I was traumatized for a little bit. But I, I spent about two years there. <laughs> And then uh, I headed to Miami where I've been since, well, right now I'm in, a, in central Florida, but the majority of my time I spend in Miami, Florida. Okay. Awesome. And tell everyone your background, how, first a little bit about your history, you're a doctor, so share your educational background. I've, I've always been in love with learning. I mean, learning has always been a big thing, especially growing, growing up in Haiti. I didn't really get a chance to go to school until I was about eight years old. And the schooling that I went to wasn't anything formal. It was just uh, the neighborhood, uh, 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 you know, goodwill people <laughs> who actually thought, uh, I can, we cannot have these kids just sitting down and, and all day doing nothing. So let's, let's build a school, let's help them. So these good hearted people uh, build a school and that's when I started going to school. And I was about eight years old wow. and I fell in love with learning. And since then, I mean, everywhere adults are doing something, I'm there. So when I came here, oh my gosh, I, it's, I fell in love. I, was, I went to the library and I'm like, oh my gosh, look at all these books. Heaven. I, couldn't, <laughs> right, I couldn't really read them. But I was in love with them, holding them, touching them, opening the pages, looking at what's in there. And I'm praying one day that I'll be able to read them. Huh. And eventually I did. I did, um, I did read so many books widely. And as I was reading, I, I read, you know, young girls, we read mostly uh, 
romance. I was in love with historical romance novels. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and then because I had so much pressure as a young child, I left my mother behind. I came to live with my father, whom I, I didn't even know the first 11 years of my life. So that was kind of uh, different. But my parents, my mom from uh, Haiti, she had that expectation. She think once you come to the United States, everything is just golden. You know, you just, there's like money tree, you just pull the money out of it. <laughs> so there was a lot of um, pressure on me to really help the family I left behind. Mm. I always had this nagging question in my mind. How do you do it? How do you make the money? I learned that reading the historical novels were not going to get me there. <laughs> <laughs> well, in those they teach you, just fall in love with a, a man on a white horse and he'll come and save the day. Right, exactly. I'm like, where are they? I haven't seen too many horses around. <laughs> but I stumbled upon the book, uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill in the awesome. library. It was one of those little paperbacks. Uh -huh. And I, I started reading it. I, I couldn't understand most of it, but I'm like, okay, desire. You know, you have to have the desire, the passion, think of it and it will happen. And, and all these big uh, things that were just challenging my mind. And Napoleon led me to Jack Canfield and, and, and so many other ones. And I started learning about what it takes to be successful. And I'm like, yeah, I think I got my ticket. The ticket at the time was go to school, get a degree and you'll make it. Yeah, you know, the, the ticket kind of clashed with what I was reading yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> My teachers were telling me, go to school, get a degree, and you'll get a good job. And that's, that's what I did. I went to school, got a degree, and it was really hard <laughs> getting a good job. But then, you know, the love, the passion continued, and I continued learning. I went for a master's, not because I thought I was going to make a lot of money, but mm -hmm. because I was so in love with learning. I'm like, okay, I might as well <laughs> get a degree with it. And then I continued my um, education to, uh, to get a doctorate. And, and that's when I, the, the coaching um, and the speaking and, and all of that came to mind. Wow, that's an amazing story. Wow, I, I, I love that we didn't get to have that conversation pre-show because I had no idea. I'm on the edge of my, well, I'm standing, but I'm on the edge of my desk. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Wow. You know, it reminds me, um, I always talk about how our voids become our values. Mm -hmm. So whatever areas where we feel like there's a void, we tend to want to seek out ways to fulfill the void. It's like having a vacuum. And so knowledge for you. And I, similarly for me, I grew up in a house with not a lot of books. And I, when I, you know, I always look at my decision to go on the PhD path and I'm like, it's really, it's that love of learning. I, it's like the hunger for constant knowledge has always been there. And your story is even more profound. You know, it's just this, wow, that's so cool to think about stepping into a library and just falling in love with books that you couldn't even read yet. And here you are today, a five times published author. That's incredible. Congratulations. That's a big deal. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it is. It is a big deal. I, yeah. It's, it's mind boggling. I can't, I can't really put it together. It's yeah. like coming from, I mean, you should have seen where I was from, <laughs> where I'm from. Yeah. It's a, it's a very challenging place, yeah. but I, I, I strongly believe when God gives you a gift, when that's something internally inside of you and it's just, no one can, can take it away. And yeah. I believe my gift is just that love of learning everything. Awesome. <laughs> 
it and sharing like, it really right like sharing what you're learning with other people yeah and sharing well that's that's really the beauty of learning right what what's yeah. learning about you know sharing it with other people so yeah i i can do that all day <laughs> that's amazing you you found your genius juice path yeah, <laughs> that's great so tell us a little bit what what is some big challenges been along the way for you and, and, and let's think specifically about, uh, first of all, I think your first book, how did you decide to write a book? Because I fell in love with books, I love reading them. I always imagine my name on one. Okay, nice, yeah. <laughs> I always imagine my name on one. And I, and I thought it was, I thought once I write a book, oh my gosh, I'm gonna be famous, I'm gonna be rich, everybody's gonna love me. And it was one of those childish dreams Yeah. That I, I had that really, um, you know, turn into reality. Like I said, I, I really envision it and then make it happen. But it's just this whole passion about helping people. Mm -hmm. I think it was back in um, 2000, I want to say 2001, where I really started getting into the speaking, coaching uh, business. I was getting introduced to it. I joined NSA, the National Speakers Association, and I started getting a lot of practice there. Um, that's when I started falling in love with, with uh, really how I can help people fast because that's, that's one of my thing was, I mean, why does change have to take forever? Does it really have to take forever? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I was really consumed with finding ways to help people get results fast. Mm, and, that's great. Um, and that's where all of that, the, the passion to learn and really condense information and, and be really make it consumable uh, for people. And, you know, writing a book is always a good way to get that in that format. Yeah, it's, it's, it's such a powerful skill to know how to write a book. And also, I think it takes a great deal of organization and long-term thinking. What were some of the challenges for you in writing, or what have, it, let's say in all five books, what are some of the challenges in writing a book that you find? Well, the challenges are always getting started. Uh, we always, we always uh, complain about not having enough time. Mm -hmm. But when we, when we get tired with, not, with saying we don't have enough time, we say, well, I'm not a good writer. Uh -huh. And then I guess maybe the imposter syndrome will kick in. It's like, uh, do, do I really have anything worthwhile to say? Why would people, <laughs> that whole mindset, you, gotta, you, gotta, you have to train yourself because you will, start picking at your weaknesses, thinking that you don't have anything to offer. Um, how can you ever do this? You're not a good writer. Mm -hmm. I think, I think the, the biggest thing for me was really putting, sticking to a schedule. I mean, I knew what I needed to write. I, I knew the message I wanted to, to send out. But what was difficult because of my family structure and everything that's going on is keeping up with a writing schedule. Mm -hmm. Once you have a deadline, when you want that book to be out, there are different steps that you have to take along the way. As you're writing it, you're promoting it, you're marketing it, you're doing all this, uh, all these steps. So you really have to create a very clear, realistic schedule and keep uh, keep up with it. Because if you don't, you're gonna feel defeated when you know two weeks pass and nothing is done, and a month pass, nothing is done. You're like, oh my gosh, well, I yeah, I you know, I knew it, I knew it, I could. I knew I, w I wasn't going to get it done. Yeah. So prepare yourself uh, along the way by doing that. And then you can kind of celebrate and check off your steps as you go along. And then 
Another challenge is uh, really cleaning up the work. We have to be willing to reach out to other people, other experts, you know, like an editor, uh, mm -hmm. somebody who can help you clean out your work and make it presentable. Sometimes we try to do everything ourselves and it's really defeating because you're not an expert in everything. So stick to what you know best, which is maybe your knowledge base. If you're writing a book, then you know everything there is to know about the topic. Stick yeah. to that, put it down. And then there are other people out there who can help you clean it up and, and fix it in the right format to market it and make it consumable to others. That's great advice. And, and I, want, I want to point out for listeners, okay, anyone, I, I've talked to so many people who want to write a book, so, so many. And like you're saying, people come up with the excuse of not enough time. And I'm highlighting that this is an excuse because for all of you listening, Dr. Gigi has how many kids? Six. <laughs> six kids, everyone. Okay, so she has six kids. She came from a background where English was not her first language. Well, well, actually, in Haiti, what language is spoken? Actually, English is my third language. Third language. I was, was going to say, yeah, I don't, and I'm sure it's not English. So third language. Okay, so yeah. we're talking third language. Didn't even learn to, didn't go to school until way older has six children and has written five books. So I don't want to hear any excuses from any of you listening <laughs> as That's to why right. you don't have enough time to do what you love and make a difference in the world. You know, this is a really great lesson. Thank you so much for sharing. It's really inspirational to hear because I do think, I can't remember, I looked up the stat at some point, it was like somewhere in the 80% range that of people want to write a book. Right. Everybody want to write a book. They want to yeah. do it. They think they have a great story to tell. And, and I think every single one of us have a great story to tell. Yeah. Uh, but they, they turn it into a mountain. It's like, oh my gosh, this is so much. This is too much. There's no way I can do it. Yeah. But we know that if we can break it down in chunks and, uh, and, and steps and make it doable, I mean, you don't have to do it in 30 days, but you can do it in, 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 in six months. In reality, if you really know your topic, if you know what you're doing, if you've taken the time to really at least brainstorm uh, everything you want to write about, once you have that down, you can write a book in two weeks. Yeah, I've you heard have, this. Yeah. Right. You have the information. It's just a matter of structuring it in a logical manner. Uh, and then after that, we can worry about the editing and, and the revision later. Yeah, I love that advice. Um, you know, my daughter does, uh, for a lot of years, she's done NaNoWriMo, which is, do you know that it's national? Oh, yeah. It stands for uh, NaNo, national, no, it's something writing month. Right, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, they really challenge themselves in that yeah. competition to write a book in 30 days. Yeah, and she's done it several years and she has several self-published books. And I love what you're saying about that, the, the habit of having a schedule. Right. So life-changing in every way for any project you're talking about. My, my last guest interview was with someone who implements uh, the, a 12-week year. So breaking things down into 12-week process and program and practice and structure. So like you're talking about, you're implementing exactly that. Do you do, I've heard people say, and I've written, you know, I wrote my dissertation, which is the size of a book and, and I have things drafted and in the works. And I, I, one thing I notice is that once you get really clear and I've heard people say this, who are prolific writers and, you know, publish hundreds of books, they say, well, I don't know, hundreds, 
a lot of books. <laughs> they say that when you have the outline, then the rest flows easily. Would you agree that and say that that's true? Yes, I would agree. I mean, if once you have an outline, what I what a method that I use is I just kind of do a brain dump. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just just do a brain dump. Just take thirty minutes or an hour. Just write. Just write whatever comes to your mind about your topic. Just write. I mean, don't care about spelling, structure, whatever. Just just write everything down you can think of until you can't think of anything at all nice. about your topic. And then the hard work is it. Let's categorize those topics. Let's see where it fits best. Once you categorize your topics, and then now you can create chapters, and then all your topics, you form sub subtopics for them. And then basically after you've done all of that, it's just filling in the blank, you know? And yeah. after that, if you, have to, if you have to do a little research to get quotes or to get a story or to get something like that, we can easily put that in there. It's filling but in that, the, the skeleton. That's really how, all you have to do is get whatever's in your brain, in your mind about your topic, get it down on paper, organize it in a logical manner, create your top chapters, sub chapters, and then get to writing. This is awesome. Okay. So with all that said, so for all of you listening, it's possible. Dr. Gigi is saying it's possible to write a book in two weeks. I totally agree. I, I love that you're giving people the, the system and the roadblocks that they might run into, like making the excuse of time or, and making sure that they have a structure. Tell us about your book. So it's, so I, I said this in the intro, but just to repeat, it's called Becoming a Conqueror, How to Keep the Past from Invading Your Present and Destroying Your Future. And I haven't gotten to read it yet. I, we, we just met on LinkedIn and I'll, I can't wait to read it. It sounds incredible and I love your story. So give us some of the key takeaways that you wrote about in your book. Well, this story uh, really was um, out of a personal experience. I mean, I, I mentioned, um, I mentioned the fact that, you know, I was born to a teenage mom. I mean, she was 16. Um, and uh, my father was really young too. I think he was probably 20 years old. We were very poor. Um, I didn't know my dad until I was about 11 years old. Uh, my stepfather didn't want me um, in his home. So that was a challenge for my mom. I grew up watching her uh, being abused physically, mentally, and psychologically, all of it, because she depended on a man to actually you know, take care of her. And then when I, when I met my dad at 11, I came here um, to, to the States and he had a wife. She was nice, very nice to, to, to me. Um, but it didn't really take long until they got separated. Um, and then it was, we were left on our own pretty much because my father worked about two, three jobs to support the family. And now uh, we were, my brother and I, I said we, my brother and I, uh, we were left to fend for ourselves, so to speak. But then it wasn't too long after she left that um, you know, uh, abuse started on my part. My father started abusing me. Um, and it, it continued for a long time. And it is, it's out of that experience that I said, I wrote this book, Becoming a Conqueror, because sometimes we think when traumatic experiences happen to us, when we get hurt, when we feel like some of the our most valuable possession has been taken away from us, we think our life is over. Mm -hmm. But it's not. 
it's not over. It's not over. So it took me some years to really, I mean, I really kind of accepted the whole thing, like the victim mentality thing. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm doomed. I'm, I'm messed up. I'm damaged. I had all the right names to really keep me in a hole. But then I realized I don't want to be here. You know, sometimes you're trying to push yourself down a hole, <laughs> but yep. you keep popping up your head again. It's like, I don't really want to be here. So if I don't want to be here, what can I do to heal myself? Mm-hmm. So I started really reading. Um, I, I mean, Jack Kinfield's book, The Success Principle, kind of gave me a slap in the face <laughs> because mm-hmm. the first thing I read was, you are 100% responsible for your life. And I was like, huh, what? And he said, I don't care what your mom did, your, your father did, your friend did, your, your teachers did, whoever did. I mean, I don't really care because what's really important is how you respond yeah what happens to you so i started saying well okay well just because i was abused just because i was treated this way just because i felt violated by a person that i trust doesn't mean that i i will never trust anybody else you know because sometimes we sometimes we we really make up our own punishment i mean i was telling god what to do with me you know i didn't think i was going to have a family and look at me right now <laughs> you know how yeah. are you family. I didn't think I deserve anything good because of what was going on in my head. Yeah. But then I realized that's a choice. It's a choice that I was making. Nobody was forcing me to believe that. And I kept, because I, my love of reading saved me. You, you understand what I'm saying? Because yeah. every time I read a book, it was just kind of, you know, just pushing me and then forcing me to ask questions forcing me to take action, forcing me to change that mindset that said that I, I was not worthy, you know, that mindset that said I wasn't, I was damaged goods, that, that mindset that said that I could never turn, I could ne- never be anything because of that. Mm-hmm. So that's where that, that book came from. So what I can tell you is that I'm not belittling whatever you may have experienced. I'm not saying that it wasn't painful. I'm not saying that it didn't really hurt you to the core. I'm not telling you that you will forget about it because you won't. But what you can do is really accept it and accept you and love you, knowing that you are precious, knowing that you are magnificent, and knowing that you have a story that could change the world one person at a time. That's really your job one person at a time. So that's where it's from. You are a conqueror. You can, you are a miracle. You can overcome whatever happened to you. All you got to do is, you know, you be aware of it. (laughs) Ooh, excuse me. All you have to do is be aware of your weaknesses, your experiences, learn from it. You know, we all are hurting beings. You know, we have, all of us have hurts and pains. And sometimes we, we pass on that pain, you know, not because we want to, but because we, we are hurting. So in order for you not to pass that pain on, you have to learn from it so that you don't repeat it. Because if you don't learn from it, you're going to keep repeating it. Yeah. You are yeah. a conqueror. Yes. You are a conqueror. Your mistakes are not, you are not your mistakes. You are not your past. You can create a new one. Okay. (laughs) So awesome. I love it. And I, I mean, I just say, keep going because you're given some golden nuggets. I mean, for all the people listening, my community, if they've followed me for a long time, they know I'm very 
big into exactly what you're talking about, which is this idea of radical responsibility. I call it the NFA mindset and, <laughs> and thinking about how you're the creator of your reality and all of those traumas that you have that you hold on to and decide to let define you that that's your own self-created prison and it's replaying the traumas over and over and over again because you're so right everybody experiences challenges to different degrees right but the way that you respond to it is so telling of what your future will be one of my mentors uh, john Martini, says if we're victims of our history we can never be masters of our destiny and so it's that idea of getting really stuck in the victim mindset and overcoming so that if you get stuck in the victim mindset, you can't overcome and you can't conquer. So I, I love this. Um, wow. So in your book, do you give strategies for people to overcome? Is it more a memoir based personal story? Is it a mix of both? Well, uh, yeah, a little bit of a memoir, but it's, it's more uh, tips on how to go um how to move on uh, you know forgiveness is key we got to forgive ourselves sometimes we put ourselves in situations that are compromising that are not safe and then something happens and now we are forever um you know beating ourselves up over it but in reality we should realize that we were at a place where um where that allowed us to make that that decision so we cannot fault ourselves for making that decision at the at this time but what we can do is forgive ourselves learn from it and then move on i think um one of the biggest one of the biggest um challenges i had to overcome and i and again we talk about it is that mindset mm -hmm. that mindset just because bad things happen to you yeah all of a sudden you become that bad thing yeah not, it's not it's not like that i had to i had to really program i think that that was my main challenge really is um the story that i was telling myself was yeah. totally false i had yeah. to totally change that story the story that hey if if something bad happens to you then then uh then you can guarantee that your whole entire future will be bad too yeah you know, all of a sudden people will look at you differently because uh, that's all of those things I was telling myself. You know, for so many years, I kept my abuse a secret because I didn't want people to judge me. Mm -hmm. But guess what they did? When, when I decided no longer a prison, I am no longer going to be in that prison. Yeah. <laughs> I have to speak because the more I keep it in, the bigger it gets. Yeah. The harder I have to try to, to hide it. So, but when I did speak up, yeah, people did. Uh, judge me. They did criticize me. They did say, sure. "Oh, it was my fault." They did. They did say I was lying. They did. They said all of these things. Yeah. But mine. Did I feel free? Yeah. Ooh. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's out. <sighs> I can breathe. Yeah. And I think that silence just um, can turn into a monster if we allow it. Ah, oh, it so does. I. Oh, there's so many things I want that you're bringing up that I think are important to share. One of them is is being willing to be courageous enough to share a hard story, no matter what the outcome is for the other people, no matter how they respond to it. You shared your story, which of course you're gonna always gonna have the people that are like, "Why are you sharing that? I don't believe you. You're 
you know, whatever judgments they have, but you get to liberate yourself through your story. And then you courageously allow other people to share their story too. And that's something I think is so powerful with writing books and or coaching and teaching through videos or whatever way it is that we share our stories. Uh, something I've, I've really realized through the years, I, I had a lot of challenges in my past as well. And the way that we frame our stories and write our stories in our mind and keep replaying them over and over is what creates your future reality. And so, you know, if you're telling yourself, I don't deserve it, I don't, I'm not good enough, I'll always be this way, it will always be this way, that's what you're going to create. And right. so sharing your story and letting it out is, is not only valuable for yourself and rewriting your story and giving yourself the space to, to let go of what you've known and let go of who you've been to rewrite and then step into the new version of yourself who is, gets to almost rebirth into a new story. I, I, love, I love that process. And so, you know, thank you for writing a book and sharing your story. I think it's incredible. And to come, you know, be public and, and share that with people allows them to do the same. And it's such a liberating tool, I, I think. Yes, absolutely. Because, I mean, that's, that's been probably <laughs> a good part of my life was really hiding my story. Yeah. And because I was hiding my story because I was trying to protect people who didn't really care about me. Yeah. You know, once I decided that I'm going to care more about myself now, I got to learn to love myself, you know, now. And then I started branching out and then the story started getting a little more interesting, a little clearer, a little bit more exciting, something I could look forward to. Yeah. You know, because now I didn't really much care about what people thought. Yeah. I'm like, this is my story. And I feel like if I'm going to heal, if I'm going to, if I'm going to influence people to change their lives, I have to, I have to be truthful. I have to be transparent. I have to be authentic. I yeah. cannot act like I have everything perfect when it's not. Yeah. Yeah. And I, 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 that's such a gift too. I think something that as I started to share my story, I think the number one thing that people will say to me when I do a workshop or I meet a whole bunch of new people and, and talk about my history, they'll say, Wow. Thank you for being vulnerable and vulnerable enough to share this with us. It's liberated us in a way, and it allows people to show up more authentically themselves. And it's just, yeah, I, I, I think it's, yeah. I, you know, I did um, for my dissertation research, I interviewed incarcerated men and I did life history interviews with them. And many of them would share with me that I was the first person in their life they'd ever told some of these things. And I mean, we're talking atrocious, horrible, movie like violent histories that they had perpetrated and that had they had been victim of and so it was this for them i think the greatest gift was to just share their story and so you know for everyone listening i mean it, it it's interesting because in a business building world you know i'm a business coach and i help people with their business and we talk about how your story is is one of your greatest powers in place branding yourself uniquely and it sounds so funny to talk about you know using your story of trauma and sharing it to brand yourself but right. let's go there a little bit you know for you what how has writing books you know you've written five books so I'm sure that you have a wide variety of topics but how has has sharing your story and writing books been a powerful business building tool for you well, people are always looking for someone they can relate to. 
Mm-hmm. Someone who can show them that there's light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Because now once you share your story, they have a, an instant connection with you and their minds open up and they're like, oh my gosh, she went through this and that and she still come out this way. <laughs> yeah. You know, look, at, I, I, think, uh, I think it was last night I got a, I got a long um, response to a post on Facebook. This man was like, oh my gosh, you're telling my story. Uh-huh. He was born without arms. You know, he was, he had low self-esteem. Nobody wanted him. He had a lot of challenges and then he overcame. Now he's a coach to other people. And he was like, thank you for telling the story. This is my story. And I want you to think, to know that you and I have a responsibility to show people that just because they have been through stuff, terrible stuff, that doesn't mean that it's over for them. Yeah. I mean, just hearing that, I'm like, whoa, my gosh. I'm not... <laughs> he made my day. Yeah. Because I feel like, you know, when you post things, you don't know who's reading. You don't know who you talk uh-huh. to. <laughs> uh, you don't know who really needs this. You just kind of put it out there. And when somebody reach out to you like that and say, you touch me, this is my story. And I think you're doing a wonderful thing by letting people know that just because you had a rough beginning, or middle, or whatever it is, yeah. doesn't mean that you have to accept it and just kind of, you know, lay there and yeah. die. <laughs> there I, are- I love this. And, you know, I'm going to share with everyone right now a call to action for everyone listening because I, I agree with you, Dr. Gigi. Sometimes you put stuff out there, and sometimes people will months say something to me later and say, like, that impacted me so much. I'm like, share that with the people who are vulnerably, courageously sharing their lives. So, if for all of you listening, if this is impacting you, reach out and DM us and post this to social media. Take a screenshot of listening to this podcast and, and put the hashtag NFA coaching. And do you have a good, I didn't actually look for you on Instagram. Are you on Instagram? Are you actually, yeah, I am on Instagram. Uh, becoming okay. a conqueror is good. It's a okay. good one. I okay. Use. Becoming a conqueror. So hashtag becoming a conqueror and hashtag NFA coaching and let us know how this is impacting you. That would be so awesome. And then of course, buy Dr. Gigi's book, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, I want to ask, you just shared that one of your favorite books that had a huge impact was the success principle by uh, Jack Canfield. Do you have a, and I always think this is funny asking, what's your favorite book? Because I could never say what my favorite book is. I've got a million favorite books, (laughs) but what what would you say is a book that's deeply impacted your life uh, on top of the success principle? Well, it's a book, it's called, um, bad childhood, good life. Mm. My Dr. Laura Schlesinger, <laughs> I okay. hope I'm not killing her name. Um, that book, that's where I have, I got the becoming a conqueror part. She talked extensively about the differences between a victim and a conqueror. Awesome. And um, she just kind of, she inspired me a lot because, because I learned that just because, like we said before, just because you had a bad childhood and my childhood wasn't, I don't want to lead people to think it was, um, terrible because when I learned it was terrible, it was too late. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know how, well, and, when and there's not much you feel like you can do about it when you're a child either. Right. right. You kind of are just rolling with it. <laughs> right. You kind of rolling with it. I didn't really think I was poor until my mind opened and I knew I was poor. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So when it's I read your, it's your relative comparison group and, and it's the only thing, you know, 
Well, exactly. And then, I, yeah, for the first, I would say maybe eight years of my life, I was kind of in the country, in the mountains in Haiti. So that not really much exposure. It is just your family. The other family is way down there. Yeah. So yeah. Not many interactions going on between kids. Um, so your mind wasn't really, you know, open to explore uh, so many things. But when I read Dr. Laura's book, it just it just validated what I was thinking, what I yeah. wanted to think, that I was not bad, that I have something more to offer. Or just because I experienced something bad doesn't mean, it doesn't have to take anything away from me, my self-worth, my dignity, my self-esteem. That's, that's, those are things that I willingly give away. No one can take those things away from you because it's, 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 more of a mindset than anything else. Yeah. So her book just, basically she said, stop making excuses. Yeah. Enough, enough of the excuses. Let's get to work. Let's get to work of healing. Let's get to work. Step out of yourself. I think one of the best things that I did for my own healing was help others. Yeah. Go volunteer, go, go learn. I mean, uh, my husband and I, we do, we do soccer. We soccer coaches. Nice. <laughs> all of our kids play soccer. And now we have a bunch of kids. We have a whole team of kids who uh, their parents cannot take them to practice. Their parents cannot pay their fees. Their parents cannot hardly do anything because they are working day and night to just pay the bills. So these kids need our help. And my husband loved this soccer thing and he got me into it too. <laughs> so that's what we do. We give away, we, we help those kids, you know, the best way we can. We, we help, uh, um, especially during the holidays where people are hungry or needy or depressed, just visiting hospitals and talking to people who have no one to visit them. When you do these things, you realize, oh my gosh, I thought my life was bad. You know, when you get out of your little world, you find out there's a much bigger world out there. Yeah. Yeah. I think it helps you. It's like, I think there's that place of it to be in service. You've got to be in a state of gratitude and and when you're in a state of gratitude you you can't operate in a place of self-loathing or fear or right you're just in the moment helping other people and there's so much it's such a win-win you know it's like yeah that's that's awesome okay so great book suggestion what would you say are three max potential habits that helped you get where you are today i would say know what you want for so many years, I just kind of, I get that power away to people. I let them decide for me on things. Yeah. And right now, was it a couple of weeks ago, my youngest daughter came to me and said, uh, one of his uh, fellow, one her, her fellow band members is annoyed with her because she refused to choose what instrument she want to play for that period. <laughs> and something just went ding, 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 ding <laughs> in my head. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Let's, let's, let's have a talk about this. I said, you must always choose. You cannot let other people decide for you. Mm. I, I mean, in, in most situations, if, when you don't know what you want, it's easy for you to be led astray. It's easy for you to pick up other people's agendas. It's easy for you just to go with the flow. Okay. But when you know what you want, you have a big picture of what you want to do, where you want to go, all, all of your activities, the decisions you make, they are informed by that, by knowing what you want. 
So I think that's the biggest thing for almost everybody. Decide what you want. What do you awesome. want to achieve? Yeah. I mean, so that's powerful. If, if you can answer that question, then everything else will be easy because then you'll know what to tackle. You know what to, what to put your energy on. Yeah. Um, second thing, I would say use a planner. However, <laughs> yes. <laughs> however, electronically or physical, I like the physical um, because it reminds, there's like a beautiful quote on it and it, it reminds me to be powerful and, and, and to be creative and all that because it just, with everything that I have to do, I have to be able to really see a big picture of where the, the days are going, where the weeks are going, the months are going, the year are going. Some things are planned like a year and a half, two years in advance. So a planner or some kind of um, place where you keep everything together that makes sense to you, I think that's invaluable. That's mm -hmm. um, another one is don't be afraid to ask for help. Mm. That, that's really one. Uh, oh my gosh. I have really that issue. I don't know if it was because I didn't really grow up with my mom and dad. So there was really no one for me to ask for anything. Yeah. And perhaps that's why I learned how to do so many things. Yeah. Uh, because I didn't have mom and dad to say, mom, I want this, uh, dad, I want this. Um, so asking is a very difficult thing for me to do. Mm -hmm. But I realized asking is one of the biggest success secrets ever. Yeah. Because something that could take you just, you know, a day to answer. Now you're trying to answer it in a week, in a month. When you yeah. could have just make a phone call or send a message and ask for help. And boom, it's right here. Yeah. Asking for help can really shorten your learning curve. I love this. You know, I'm noticing that the three that you mentioned are also exactly what it takes to write a book, <laughs> yes. right? You go, okay, number one, no, decide what you want. So what's the topic of the book that you want to write? Decide. Mm -hmm. Number two, use a planner. So plan your book out. And then number three, ask for help. So like you talked about making sure you've got, you use your expertise to write the book and then ask for other people for the parts that you aren't the expert at. So that's, right. that's so awesome. And those are incredibly valuable. I completely agree. I'm always, I'm always amazed by how we think we're going to get what we want when we don't know what we want. Right. There's no way you're going right. to go like this. You're yeah. We're like constantly, well, why isn't the world bringing me this, this, and this that I want, but then you never clearly articulated even what it is that you want. And I tell people to really start small, you know, start mm -hmm. by simple things like what's your favorite um, color? What's your favorite meal? Yeah. You know, what's your favorite um, drink? I mean, just those little things, because you will find that the same people who don't know what they want, they are the ones who can't tell you what's the, yeah. you know, what their favorite outfit is or what their favorite shoes is or what their favorite yeah. is or color. Yeah. Little simple things every day that we take for granted, we should know what our preferences are. Yeah. If we know what our preferences are, then they can easily translate to the bigger things that we want to do, like write a book or go yeah. a job or something like that. It's so confidence boosting to know what you want. And it, I mean, it's like knowing who you are is part of confidence. And so being decisive and, and, and are sharing with other people. And even it's like when someone asks you, where do you want to go eat? Decide you know, make right. a decision and, and be advocate for yourself. It's really about advocating for yourself. And I think I, I love that you pointed that out because I think especially for kids who come from traumatic backgrounds, they have a harder time asking for help, knowing what they want because they've been so conditioned 
for a lot of years to track what other people want to stay safe. Right. Exactly. You know, so it's a, it's a really, I've noticed that pattern and the, the people that I've worked with who have, you know, big histories of trauma. Um, ah, this has been incredible. So two things, two more things. One, where can people find you? What's the best places to find you? The best place is um, www.drgg.com. Okay. That's gg with a e. Okay. <laughs> and once you go there, you will find me on social media, Facebook. You can just put Gigi Jasmine there, LinkedIn, Instagram, same thing. And um, I'm there. Awesome. Okay. And for everyone listening, I will put that in the show notes and it's uh, G-E-G-E. So Dr. D-R-G-E-G-E.com. And I'll put those, that in the show notes, her books there. I encourage all of you to order it. It sounds absolutely transformative and incredible. Last thing, what is one final piece of advice you would give to listeners? And this is the kind of advice, like a big life takeaway that you have that you'd want to share if you were no pressure on your deathbed. <laughs> Ooh, um, I would say put yourself first. Mm. I know it sounds maybe trite, um, but for me, that has always been a, a, a challenge. I always put everybody else's needs, agendas in front of mine. And, and because I felt like I didn't really have a voice to speak for myself. But now I learned that if I put myself first, then I can, I can be prepared to, you know, really help my children, my husband, whoever it is, because then I'll have something to give. If I'm coming from a place of strength, then I can do, you know, I can work magic. But if I'm coming from a place of weakness, then it's just, it's really nothing great is going to happen there. So put yourself first because the, everybody else needs you. <laughs> Yeah. to get everything else done. I think that's really important. That's awesome. Totally agree. Ah, it's been so, so, so incredible having you on. Thank you so much for being here. And with that, I am going to sign off. Thank you so much for showing up week and week, week after week to be here with me and my guests on the Max Potential Habits podcast. If you're getting something out of these podcasts, I put a lot of time, heart, soul, energy, effort. And one way that you can give back that would be so awesome is to leave a written review on iTunes. If you don't have an iPhone, that's okay. Go to Google, type it in. You can do it online. It takes less than five minutes and it means so much to me. Thank you for being here. I'll be back again next week. I hope you have an incredible week where you thrive and feel alive.